Blog Talk Radio. Alright, alright, alright. Yeah. Yes, we are back. We are back. Welcome to Let's Chat. I'm Miss Alicia. You know, I got my right hand back, and most of the time, she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. Welcome back, T. Hey, Alicia. It is so good to be back into the chat room. You know, we had to do some serious medical grade cleaning up in the chat room to make sure Alicia and I are made kept healthy. As well as our fabulous guests that are joining us this evening, Lee. You know, the cleaning people just left, so we gave them a high five, and we are all set to go this Thursday evening. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. This is such a great show today. I'm so super excited. Y'all know I'm always trying to do something. I'm always doing something, first of all. I'm always doing mm-hmm. something. And um, so I am, you know, always trying to bring back our favorite guests, bring, um, have new guests on, but always have these, these hot topics. Um, and with this whole coronavirus thing going on and the change in the literary world, I think we should do a show. And the show today is going to talk about literary, literary longevity. And this is really the part two of our monetizing your pen segment. So if you guys didn't get that segment last year uh, with Victoria Christopher Murray and uh, Kevin Foster, make sure y'all go hit our archives up and check out that great full of information um, on ways to just monetize your pen. And so today we're going to talk about the longevity of the literary agency, a literary world and authors and different things that they can do to monetize and move themselves up and not necessarily mm-hmm. being attached to one of the big four. It's not big five mm-hmm. anymore. It's now the big four, but you know what I'm saying? And we have two fabulous guests that have done just that. Um, we have mm-hmm. publisher 
author, director, Iris Bowling, and T. Styles. They're both going to be in here. Both have dynamic pins, and they both mm-hmm. have taken their careers to different levels and different directions independently, which mm-hmm. is very important because they have experienced that literary longevity. And then we have our favorite guest that we love to have on, uh, Kevin Foster. <laughs> he is actually one of the writers for the hit series Monogamy. If you have not seen Monogamy, I don't know what you wait now. Go on over there. <laughs> Go on Amazon and mm-hmm. grab that thing, cause Absolutely. yes, yes, he got. They got. I was trying to get all of the writers, but they all are in different places doing different things. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. He can do the explaining mm-hmm. for the rest of them. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. But you know, Mitch, it was a fun time when we had theatrical um, actors when Kevin joined us before. So make sure you check out those archives. You know, one of our favorite guests, Mr. Kimba Blue. So it was fun to hear their take on it and their different roles in that show. So definitely head on over there to Amazon, like Lee said, pick it up, get caught up, and get ready. Because um, we love when Kevin comes. So you know I've been trying to get myself ready for him. i got to have some good things going on for him when he joins us. Because that's what he expects. He expects that less chat experience, Lee. And we try to fulfill those, fulfill those expectations. <laughs> we always, yes, we always have a good time because Kevin comes on. And, you know, we think of writers in, in Hollywood as so different. You know, we, we mm-hmm. kind of see them. We don't experience them, I guess, in our mind the same way they actually are. Um, mm-hmm. But they're really like every other writer. You know, and right. so to hear, he has a passion though. He listen when y'all mm-hmm. listen to him talk. He has a passion for monetizing your pen, mm-hmm. but you have to. You can't just place yourself in a box and say this is what I do. Just for instance, if you want to get um, to different one of the big four or other publishing companies, independent or whoever it should be you want to make sure that your pen is marketable mm-hmm. i always tell people don't write just one genre you if if they got four genres up there write at least two to three of them genres so you know that you can be in multiple directions with that particular publishing company you want to always have a direction you owe you want your pen to be able to take you in multiple directions i always use t styles as this example because let me tell you, if y'all ain't read Silence of the Nine, I don't know where y'all been. And War, <laughs> I don't know what y'all been doing. But I'm going to need y'all to stop doing it and go ahead on the read them. But the mm-hmm. best part about T. Styles as an author for me is that T. Styles can take you all over the world and it give you that experience. She could take you in the jungle, pick you up from the jungle, drop you in a boardroom, pick you up from the boardroom, drop you on a block. And it's like, and it's, it's, it's seamless. You know, her pen is really smooth when she does it. She transitions mm-hmm. from everything so greatly that um, as a reader, it, it's exciting being able to experience her pen from a reader's point of view. You know what I'm saying, T? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. And unfortunately, I got my hand raised when you said that because every time you talk about this book, Silence of the Knives, it just puts the a, a chill down my spine, just the cover alone. That I haven't, I bought the book. I buy all her books. I just 
haven't been able to crack the spine because no, you know, I you really got listen, listen from the last girl I read. <laughs> but now listen, now listen. I will say, T Styles is known as Twisted Mama because her pen. Her pen can go there. Uh-huh. And so I do say that she does have twisted levels. And some of her levels, I can't I can't read. But <laughs> silence of the nine, that thing right there, nine, that's my girl. That's my girl. girl. Yes. She did her you thing. Know we live and, off and, and I yes, we do live off covers, but I promise you, T, <laughs> I promise you, nine ain't no right. joke. She don't play no games. You gonna love her. You will lo- absolutely love her. Even at her worst, you will love her. I promise but you. Girl, you know, like I told you, last thriller I read, I was home alone. <laughs> and my light bill has been astronomical ever since because I refuse to turn the lights off when I'm home alone. <laughs> I promise I you, silence in the country. <laughs> I promise you, but you know what? I was like that with Animal Cover with Quan's Animal. I didn't yes, know quite what too. to expect because that cover, yes. that cover just scares you before you even open it. And it's like, That's wait a minute, <laughs> what's this right here? But I promise you, yes, Miss T does have a twisted level, um, but. Because she can go all the way there. And that's the unique thing mm-hmm. about her pen. She can go anywhere. And and take you to her twisted vibe and then bring you back safely. You know what I'm saying? I promise mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Read Silence and mm-hmm. I promise you. I promise you, you won't be able to put it down. <laughs> and you won't uh-huh. have all the lights on. <laughs> because, you know, Silence and animals is sitting up on the shelf just the two of them alone. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. It's okay. I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. (laughs) Listen, I do know, like, she do have a twisted level. I'm not going to kid you, but she will bring you there and bring you back safely. But the best part, I think, about her pen is that she's just not twisted all the way around. You know, it's just not gory everywhere. She she puts it strategically and meticulously Uh together. I promise um, you. But y'all, I promise you. If anything, silence of the nine this weekend. If anything, silence of the nine will have you yelling at the top of your lungs, like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, I'm a, I'm gonna start this weekend. I, I've I've gone on record. I gotta be held accountable. So. The next time she visited us, I can say, I read Silence of the Nines after having it in my Kindle. How many years? <laughs> and she, she, and listen, she has more than just, you know, that book because she has so many great titles. War is mm-hmm. her uh, newest title, and she did that thing right there. So I promise mm-hmm. you, she will bring you back mm-hmm. safely. You won't have all the lights on. Now, she got <laughs> some that you might keep the lights on, but them ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't it. That ain't it. All right, all right. <laughs> well, but yeah, start. she I'm cold with it. Five. Yeah, she cold with it. So we're gonna take a brief <laughs> break because you know we like to play our favorite song when we mm-hmm. first get up into this chat room. We appreciate Keith Robinson for sharing his music with us and 
trusting us uh, with with the song that hasn't even been out yet. And so we really appreciate that. And I want to say shout out to uh, producer E.P. Pope. He came on our show last week, and he, he has a new jazz album that's getting ready to come out. And T, listen, he sent me three mm-hmm. more songs to review and look at. Listen, honey, he's so dope. Like, honestly, he is skillfully dope. It's sick, mm-hmm. but he is so super dope. He is so, listen, I got to send him to you, but he got, he's going to have some good stuff coming. I'm excited. So awesome. we're going to play his uh, new single that he gave us as well. We're going to take okay. a brief break for music and we'll be right back. to get to know you with my third eye to understand the pages off in your mind i want to know your energies i i want to give you all you need and oh i want to be the one you call in late night the one that you can hold and make it all right
are back. We are back. Welcome to Last Chat. I'm Miss Leisha. You know I got my right hand, and most of the time she is my left. The fabulous Miss Tony. Yes, that was Love Language by Keith Robinson. Yes, Keith Robinson is more than just an actor. He is a musician uh-huh. as well. If you don't remember him, he is the Green Ranger. If you want to take him all the way back to Power Rangers, but we appreciate him. <laughs> That is going to be his new single. It hasn't dropped yet, so we appreciate him allowing us to play it and uh, get a little taste of Love Apostolic 2 that's getting ready to come out. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So am I, Leisha. I don't know if Leisha caught it last weekend when with the movie he was in, Open. Girl, he opened up the show with that song. Woo! Oh, yes! I love it. Yes, I love girl. it. I love it. <laughs> So we got our first fabulous guest coming to kick in the chat room door. We love it when she comes in here because not only does she leave us with knowledge, um, but she is, when I say her pen is dynamic, her pen is dynamic. Um, and she, mm-hmm. as an author, and, and for us as readers, we appreciate what she brings to the industry and what she puts into all of the books that we enjoy reading. And we have the fabulous mm-hmm. T Styles. Welcome, Miss T. Hello, hello, ladies. How are you? We are good. We are good, Miss T. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Yes, we appreciate you. We are good. Happy New Year to y'all. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) This is something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? Right. This 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 has been something else so far. Yes, it has. But that was the best time for us to do this show, talking about literary longevity. Only because not just with Corona is the industry changing, but uh just with the sale of Simon and Schuster, it's just so much going on within the industry that I think that is very important for us to highlight and talk about um how to have that longevity in this industry um, and do it independently, which you have done for so many years. Right, right. So I don't know who they are, but for those people that have not experienced Miss T. Styles, I want you to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and your literary journey. Okay, so, um, wow, it's it's been 2008, oh, God, 2006. It's been, I, I want to say, well over 13, 14 years I've been writing. Um, and I started uh, with the self-published book. It didn't really do well. Um, just a lot of my friends and family bought it, and I definitely appreciate it, but it didn't really land me any kind of major success or whatever. And I was in this uh, bookstore, saw these books by Triple Crown Publications, and decided I would send them an idea for two books I didn't write yet. Uh, they ended up uh, liking the ideas, but wanted the books right away. So I wrote the first book, which was called Mama Soldier. And to ensure mm-hmm. I got a deal, I wrote another book called Black and Ugly. And then from that, a lot of things happened. And um, I found out that if I continued to write and learn my craft, that I could take care of myself and I didn't necessarily need to go through traditional publishers, although I have mm-hmm. come in and out. I think I may have had two or three books with independent publishers, but since then, I'm 86 books in and self-published yeah. all the way. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, that's what makes 
14 years um, writing and 12 years independent. Um, my spouse just told me because she know my memory is kind of terrible. Thank you. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and, and I want to know, because as a reader, I always use you as an example. I do, because I think the best thing about your pen is your ability to take us to different places. Um, and I was just telling Tia about this. You can take us to the jungle. You can give us that jungle experience, drop us in a boardroom. From the boardroom, you drop us <laughs> in the street. I mean, and then you bring us back around. But you do it so seamlessly and smooth uh, with your execution and your transition. What is your writing process like for you? Well, one of the things I always tell people, in order, I believe in order to be a good writer, there, there are two things that you must do and you must do like now. The first thing is you have to be a journalist of life. You have to really pay attention to people. You have to genuinely care about people, and, and you want to listen to people. And I find that whenever I meet somebody who claims they want to be a writer and they're doing a lot of talking and not a lot of listening, you're not really able to understand people and their characteristics and why they do or feel certain ways. A lot of times people may feel or or have different emotions that aren't um, executed through words, but then you can see their body mm -hmm. mannerisms. So when I write, it's really important for me to not just write something that the person is saying, but I want you to see it. I want you to smell it. I want you to taste it. So that's the first thing. You have mm -hmm. to really care about people and be interested in people. And the second thing that you have to do, you have to study the craft. Like I've written 80-something books, but, you know, recently I'm in a new era of my career where I'm writing screenplays, and one of my screenplays went all the way top to the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. My face is on Oscars.org right now behind the screenplay, but I was in a whole different realm, and I had to study harder and I had to study more. And we aren't really doing that as writers, and that's where they're messing up at. And that's why their career won't last, and they're not going to have a fan base that's going to go with them anywhere. Uh -huh. Did I, lose? I agree. Did I say too much? No, oh. no ma'am. Oh, no. We take oh, notes. Okay. Look, we taking notes. Okay, <laughs> okay. We taking and notes. Yes, we are. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I, I'm glad that. that you said that and you pointed that out because a lot of times it is always making sure that you're sharpening your pen. You're always making sure that you're just keeping yourself right um, and up on what what can improve your pen at all times. And I think a lot of times re authors get frustrated in the process and they get frustrated in the process and instead of trying to figure out ways to help them sharpen themselves and get around these things, um, they rather struggle through it, which is not necessarily the best thing to do. For some authors, it is, because that's part of their process. But for the most part, if you get you a little help and somebody that can help you get around that and sharpen you up, it makes you better to be able to move forward. What made you want to go into writing screenplays? I wanted to write screenplays because I want to co-create. You know, writing novels is a very personal um, chore, and it's something that I take a lot of pride in. And once that product is done, I'm able to share it with my readers, my twisted babies, and they affectionately call me their twisted mother. So I'm able to share it with them. But the writing process, with the with the um, exclusion of my partner, who you know I do get buy-in from, but it's a personal chore, it's, it's, and it can be lonely sometimes, especially when you write the amount of books I write. 
with screenplays, it's a co-creative process. You write, and then if it does what it, the dream is, then you're bringing in directors. If you're not going to direct it yourself, you're you're actor. So you're able to see your vision go a little bit further, and you're able to work with more people. So that's what you know. I really like about screenplays. It's co-creative. And Absolutely. I want, I'm sorry, Lisa. I want to go back okay. because, um, you know, like we said, we take notes, and you said something that's very profound, and that was to ha- you have to be a journalist of life, and you have to care and listen to the to the people around you. And I think that since Lisa and I have been doing radio, we've been in it for a number of years now, the one thing that we come to do is respect the pen of an author. And not only sharpening your pen as Lisha, but you also have to sharpen your mind. And by you learning your craft, I think that helps to sharpen your mind. And in in turn, your readers can also see the growth in your pen. You know, how do you feel that your pen has grown since you've gotten into this industry? I think the, the first time there was, when I first started, when I got my book deal with Triple Crown, um, mm-hmm. I never, I never even thought about being a writer. That was never my thing. The, the very first book I wrote was a, a book I was writing to. It was a journal, and it got turned into a book. So I was working through some emotional issues. The second time I put my books out, it was actually twofold. You know, I wanted, I felt like I could probably do it, but also, um, I lost my job, so it was mm-hmm. monetary. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a road. So once you get to that point, once you, you know, decide, okay, I'm going to write a book, you have two different people. You have one people to say, I'm doing it for money, and I'm going to stick with it for money. Those people end up getting frustrated. They end up getting um, mad. They look at such and such and say, well, damn, they're doing this, they're doing that, and my book is not doing that. They're not going to last long. They're going to probably do some un, you know, some terrible things they shouldn't be doing find themselves in a crazy situation, it's not going to go good. Then you have the other person mm-hmm. who said, all right, I may have started this for money, but I'm, I really want to, you know, really respect my, my readers. I really want to build relationships with them. I really want to study. When you stop doing things for money, it changes, you know, and, 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 and I think that's the road I took. And because of that, I have to study to make sure that I'm continuously giving my readers a good experience. I take my readership mm-hmm. very seriously, and they'll they they know that. You know, I talk to them as mm-hmm. much as I can. Um, I'm always working, and they know that, and that translates. I'm not going to put a book out just for money, even if I may mm-hmm. need it. Mm-hmm. So I think that wow. that's the difference. I'm glad you said that. I'm sorry, Lisa, but this is still Tony. Um, you said something. I just finished editing the book by Jordan and. Was called Act Like an Author, Think Like a Business. And she said something similar to what you just said. You may look at another author and say, oh, I'm not doing as well, or I should be doing, or I'm envious of that. But you don't know that author's journey. You don't know what it took to get where that author is right now. And you have to walk your journey. You know, you have to, to, to walk in your time and not constantly compare yourself to your next, you know, colleague. How How do you not do that because I think it's just a human reaction to want to be where you see someone else wanting to be. I okay, you do it. You really like. I'm I'm giving you an example. I had no idea Simon and Schuster just sold. You know, so mm-hmm. my what when I'm looking at through my day to day life, 
I come into my uh, my social medias. I interact with my fans when I have time. Every now and again, I may say a two word or three on the shade room if I got a minute. You know, focus on what other authors are doing. I have no idea what any of them are doing. Um, so I'm focusing on myself. And the reason why I do mm-hmm. that is I don't like to compare myself to other people. And I think that helped me stay consistent because I'm not worrying about, well, wow, these people are doing this and they're doing that. I come in, I consult with my readers, hang out with them for a little bit, and I'm out. And that's mm-hmm. I've been doing that for years. So because of that, mm-hmm. with the exception of stuff like the coronavirus, because that was in your face, I have no idea what's going on about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, and I think that also helps. Yeah, it helps you stay focused and it, and it keeps you, you know, Leisha and I like to say, oh, here, you know, staying in your lane. But that helps you to maintain that lane and, and to get stronger and just, you know, keep your foot on the pedal, so to speak, because you're improving your craft. And it's so important when you say, you know, you have to study your craft. And I think that's what helped you transition because you felt, you probably felt there was more out there. You know, you can reach an even greater and I, and audience I, and I with your like- screenplay. I know I never take myself too seriously. I always feel like I can learn more, and I am very serious about that. Like I, I'm always trying to find out what can I learn. So I'm not a writer mm-hmm. who's saying, "Okay, I know everything. I don't want to hear anything else," or you know, or mm-hmm. even like in my life, you know, I know everything. I don't want to hear anything about. If, if I, there have been times where I take myself too seriously in the middle of a conversation. I say, "Toy, just shut up," you know. And my spouse knows this because I'm like, "You're doing too much." And I think that also helps. You really have to looking at what other people are doing. You can congratulate people, but then you have to realize that person is good. They're only going to show you what they want you to see at that time. You don't see the struggle. You don't see them not being able to go outside. You know, my life is not easy. I gave myself a vitamin deficiency, you know, from writing so much. There were a lot of things that that got me to the point where I have a long career. So do you really want that? Mm-hmm. So people might say no. Mm-hmm. Wow. Awesome. Okay, Leash. <laughs> you know, I could just say it back and forth, T to T, T to T. Do we lose Leash? Okay, I'm going to keep going on then. <laughs> this okay. is still Tony, um, Miss T. You know, Lisa and I, we like to stay here on the show. You know, everybody has a goal moment, you know, when you realize that what you want to do is what you want to do and not necessarily focusing on what someone else wants to do or what they want you to do. Right. What do you feel your goal moment was to, to, to bring you to this point or even just to get you started on your journey to this point? You, you said, did you say goal moment? Your goal, goal moment. G-O. Uh-huh. G-O-A-L? No, G-O. So everybody has a goal moment. First is a thought, and first time you think about it, you're like, "Mm, no, I don't think I want to do that. And then uh, it comes up again. A lot of times we're mindful about what we say to other people, but we're not very mindful about what we say and how we treat ourselves. So a lot of times when we have, um, when God blesses us with certain things, we kind of tend to talk ourselves out of it. So your goal moment mm-hmm. is that moment in time in your life when you decided and, and something was just like go and the thought and the execution came together. So what was that moment like for you? Well, for, and for my writing career, it was a suicide attempt. You know, I was, you know, mm. in a point in my life where it was, I need to, 
I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm very stressed. Now that I'm, you know, in my 40s, this happened when I was, like, in my early 20s. Um, in my 40s now, I realized that a, a lot of it had to do with my gut. And if you're eating in certain ways and, and you're uh-huh. doing certain things, it, it can really throw off your your mental base. But there was a lot going on. And I was just journaling. So my goal moment for my career was, taking that journal when it was done because I was writing a lot and bringing that to a book. My goal moment for my second part of my career, with, which is with Triple Crown, that, you know, jumped me was I lost my job, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to do. So my goal moment was you got to do something or you're not going to be able to take care of yourself. So I think you have uh-huh. different goal moments depending upon where you are with with the mm-hmm. Oscars and, and getting that success. It was, okay, I've written so many books. Now what? You know, I want to do something else. So I'm always trying to, you know, go to the next level. You know, I want to mm-hmm. work with other people. Okay, what do you got to do to work with other people? You got to do screenplays. And that's how that started. That's a good point, Leash, that she made. You can have different goal moments at different points in your, in your you know, in your journey. So that that was on point. Absolutely. We call them reset periods. I, absolutely. Because I think that our lives reset at all times. Um, and if mm-hmm. it may go, something may happen for it to reset, whether it's the death of a parent or um, just someone close to you. Sometimes it's based on experiences, but most of the, you know, and then sometimes it's that time where you got to reset and you got to move forward. And then you're going to have to go through that, those peaks and valleys and those transitions. And so I'm glad that you pointed that out because you know, a lot of people are probably frustrated right now because it's their reset period and they don't want to right. reset and they don't want to mm-hmm. make those changes. What, what do you think about just that in general of when it's time to change and you're not wanting to change? Okay, so I think the the one not wanting to change is, I think it also has a lot to do with being in control. Like, you know, mm-hmm. taking this period... Um, for myself and for a lot of other people, you know, we're used to having control over certain aspects of our life. And if we can't have immediate control, we have um, a control based on a certain time frame. With what's going on now, I like to say, okay, what can, what can I change? What can I impact? And once I'm able to identify what can I change and what can I impact, I make those changes. And the rest, you have mm-hmm. to let it go. So I think a, a lot of the things that are going on right now is people not wanting to change. It's really they're not wanting to give up control. And sometimes you don't have any choice. Change what you can to make the, the immediate situation better. And the rest, you really have to let it go. And once you really let it go, there comes a period of vulnerability where it's just you just feel lighter when you really let it go. It, it, uh-huh. it, 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 sometimes it's, it's tough getting that. People have said they've had it when they've lost everything. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, instead of feeling bad, I feel good. I feel easy. I've heard that happen for a lot of people. You don't want to get mm-hmm. to that point. So you, you start by saying, okay, I'm going to change the things I can. If i got to make a phone call and ask for a babysitter, I'm going to do that. I don't feel like hearing my mother's mouth, but I'll do it. If i got to do this, I, I'll ask for some money. At least they say no, I'll find somewhere else to get it. Change the things mm-hmm. you can. Have those tough conversations, and the rest, let it go. Once you let it go, it, you just it's, you're just lighter. 
But do you also think, Ms. T, that in addition to the control issue, that it could be a fear, a fear of the unknown or a fear of failing? It's it's a fear of us. Uh, it's fear of the unknown, but the fear of unknown comes again from us not willing to, not being able to control everything. You know, mm-hmm. when, that's really what what it's about. Because when you when you try to, and it's hard, and I know it's hard because I deal with it all the time. But when you mm-hmm. when you move through life as best as possible, saying, "I'm really going to go with the flow," even if it's a flow that I'm not willing to go with, there comes right. a, a light. There comes a lightness. Uh, something happens when you do that. So the fear of the unknown is our fear of not being able to control every aspect of our life. You know, you, if you trust, if, you, if, you're, if you're in a good place mentally, and, and, and if not, you, you cry, you write down, do whatever you got to do because you want to release those emotions. You don't want to try to do this when you have emotions pinned up. With me, it was the journal. Journaling is good. You can do video journaling. You can do a podcast. You can do whatever you can to help release some of that energy. And then just let it go. Realize I can, there's nothing else I can do. i got to let it go. And, and that's when things happen. Mm-hmm. Good point. Y'all there with me? <laughs> yeah, we're we, we scribbling. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what definitely it is. I think that's no what it is. Um, but do you think, but 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 also, um, let's see. This is still Tony. Do you okay. think that you would even be at this point now if you hadn't lost your job and had that go moment? Do you think that you would be as successful no. as you are? Well, see, here's the thing. This is what I. This is the other part of what I was saying, as far as you know, letting things go. There was a part, a point before I lost my job where something else happened, and I could have walked away. Because the okay. job was uh, not suitable for me at all. And I, really? instead of leaving that job, there were some things that happened that were terrible. Instead of leaving that job, I, I uh, what we call it, posted out of my job and got another position. So mm-hmm. God uh, already told me, look, you're not supposed to be here. So uh-huh. now I'm going to push you out in a way that's going to be terrible. But trust me, you know, you're going to be okay. Fine. Now, no one told me that once I lost that job that I would not have to have worked for anybody and I would be able to take care of my family for 12, 15 years without working for anybody, neither, any, either one of us. Wow. Nobody told me that that would be the end goal, but, but I didn't go with my emotions. My emotions, because I, I'm big on that, said, Toy, you do not need to be at this job. And instead of leaving, I posted out and then I got fired in the most embarrassing way. I mean, it was just terrible. Everybody knew that I got fired before I got fired. I'm like, they was like, what you still doing here? And I'm like, what are you talking about? We thought you got fired. Like, it was, it was terrible. Wow. It was something that I really didn't do. But right. I didn't go out when I should have went out before. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm saying as far as going with the flow. The flow would have led me out in a more comfortable way. But I decided yeah. I was going to fight against it, and then I got pushed out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get I'm that. About. Now I want to segue into uh-huh. I want to segue into war because war is your newest your newest series that's just knock a folk out left and right. I'm just saying you're leaving us in our feelings. 
What was your concept? <laughs> I want to say, because, you know, we're book bougie here at uh, Let's Chat. And at first, we used to deny it and be like, oh, but now we just we just live in it. And so I want to know what the concept, <laughs> yeah, we embrace it. I want to know what the concept behind that cover was and then the concept behind putting that series together. Okay, so the concept, um, I love one word title, raunchy, uh, or there's a few other things that I, you know, I like one word titles, but the concept of war, it was two things. First, the main, the my major reason for writing that book is with the, with, oh, I can't say this because I don't know if somebody hasn't read it. But um, I want people to be seen as they are, you know, not as who we want them to be. You know, we have a a, a lot. We have we have this thing about ourselves where we want we want people to be certain ways, and if they're not that way, you know, it's a problem. You know, I, I want my I want it Banks to be seen as who Banks is. The other concept of that is, you know, just I believe a lot of people are torn apart based on people who are around them had they got rid of the people who were around them and just became uh-huh. friends and then lived their lives none of this would have happened uh-huh. now the, the actual cover I just told Vita what I wanted and she just was brilliant like like she's always does for my cover she's the only one that does my cover and she just you know nailed it out the park so that was mm. you know that the, the two guns representing each side of the family uh-huh. Listen, you got folk, you got folk in they feeling. You just knocking them out left or right. I'm just saying, we don't know what to do with themselves now. They don't know what to do with themselves. I'm big on emotions, you know. Like that's the, the, the feelings come from my my need to make sure that you see and feel my characters. I I, I don't want to graze by any emotion. Definitely, definitely not a heavy emotion. If I mm-hmm. feel it. And a lot of times I feel it, and I'll be, like, sick, and I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot write this. I want I want to make sure that you feel it, too. <laughs> that is, that uh. is, I'm not going to be feeling it by myself. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> we feel it. We feel it. Now, you know, you, you've been on Let's Chat before. We love to do things fun with our guests. We love to be able to show all aspects. Um, because as an author, even though you've been writing for so long, you're always branding and forever reintroducing yourself to the have not experienced just him. And so we like to be able to show uh, all sides of an author. It just helps to draw readers in uh, to to their brand and their experience that they're going to receive from that author. So T is going to give you a fun question. I don't know what she's going to ask you. So if you got pearls, go ahead and clutch them now because I don't know. (laughs) I love questions. Well, Miss T, you know how we do here on that, Jack, because you're a friend to the show. But tonight is going to be a teaser for you. And first of all, we, Alicia and I, we thank you for joining us. You know, we love when you come to the doors of us chat, and, you know, this is your home. But tonight's teaser is a new one. No one has heard this one yet, not even Leach. So you have these two guys. You have a lawyer and you have a doctor. And they're both in love with this one woman named Teresa. Now, the, the lawyer is about to go away on vacation for seven days. But before he goes away, he gives Teresa seven apples. Why did he give her seven apples? Okay, so he has a lawyer. Okay, so, so I get to come up with whatever concept that I want right, to come up with. Right, you got to give me the right answer. No, it's a, it's the, there's a right answer, though. <laughs> it's oh a riddle. Oh, my God. So 
there is a okay, so there is a doctor and a lawyer, right. and they are both in love with the, this woman named Lisa. Okay, we right? use Lisa. <laughs> yes. No, no. What did you say? Because I am bad with names. <laughs> Teresa. Okay. All right. So they, the doctor and lawyer, both of them are in love with Teresa. The right. lawyer goes away for mm-hmm. seven days. Right. And before he goes, he gives her seven apples. Right. Right. So why did he give and her why seven did... apples? Right. Because uh, apple a day keeps the doctor away.
and I apply it to uh, some of the things that I do. And one of the things that I apply that Miss T uh, talked about a long time ago was uh, listening to your the book. Um, so mm-hmm. getting it to play back to you. And that's how I listen to, like, if I'm proofreading a book or if somebody has something they want me to read, I'm going to listen to it so I can feel it Mm -hmm. and be able to see where it stumbles, where it falls. So I got that from Miss T, like, a long time ago. Um, She she was talking about it. So I really appreciate her. We got our next fabulous guest here in the chat room. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Miss Leisha. And you know, I got my girl, Miss Tony. We in here talking that talk about literary longevity. And we have our, wait, let me tell you about Miss Iris Bowling. You know what? She is the queen of teamwork. I don't know if she remembers. She came on our show a couple of years ago. And she talked mm-hmm. about how her and her team work together. Um, and yeah. She talks about uh, making sure that everybody is winning. And just the way she talked and maneuvered, I just like, she is the queen of teamwork. Um, she want to see everybody make it, and we're going to make sure it happens. And so I love that um, about her. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, hello, ladies. How are both of you doing this evening? We are good. I'm so happy you can join us tonight. Well, thank you guys for asking me to come back. I thought I would have, you know, given y'all enough the last time to put me off the show. No, ma'am. No, No, ma'am. It's never enough. No, ma'am. Because, see, the thing is, you always doing something different. See, you always doing something different. And we got to be like, yo, we got to get her on here because she over here. You over there doing some things. And we talking about literary longevity today for a reason. So much going on in the mm-hmm. industry. You got so much just going on in the world with Corona in the industry. You have the sale of Simon and Schuster, and so a lot of independents don't understand what's going on. You know, or they, because they, I think, depending on what level you are in the industry. Um, when you see right. certain things, right. you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be the end, and not necessarily being able to know that nine times out of ten, the talk was already happening a year or two ago. We're Before just learning it about it today. Exactly. Right. So they've already ensured that nobody loses money, nobody has any problems, and that it continues to grow. This has already been talked about. Um, and so I think with you, the best part about you is that in your independence, you've done so much independently, uh, and you've created that longevity for yourself. And we always talk about creating your own lane, because your lane is paved just for you. And some authors need to be able to experience people that are creating their own lane and making that last. Um, But before we get into that, for those who have not laid eyes on your books or your TV shows, I want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your literary journey. Well, I was born in the Cardinfield down in Southwest Virginia. No, that ain't true. Uh, I was just about to say, <laughs> you're not old enough to be in a Cardinfield. <laughs> that's, that's not true. That's not true. Okay. Listen, with, every, with everything that is going on this this world today, I have promise to make it my path to put a smile on anyone and everyone's face that I come in contact with. 
And I think that um, with times the way that they are, a smile is the very least that we can do for each other. So don't pay me any attention if I get a little crazy. But That's um, okay. We are crazy. We're crazy, too. It's <laughs> okay. Good. Well, um, my name is Iris Foley. I have been um, independently writing um, for a, a little over 10 years now. We're going on probably 12 years now. And I have 27, 28 books out there, seven different series. Um, and, of course, I have um, audio. Uh, I, I did do my own, produce my own audio book, so I did do that. Um, and, of course, I did do um, a TV series for my, my very first series, which was the Heart Series. So I did a, a six-week-long um, television series, um, season one and season two, which was book one and book two of the Heart Series. And then what had happened was I <laughs> found out that I could – I could produce and, and direct um, TV shows. So then um, I was I was shocked. I was in this audience. I'm gonna tell you how exactly how it came down. I was in this audience listening to two of my favorite favorite authors. I have um, what is what is Catherine Ash? Catherine Ash was romantic suspense, um, um, historical romance, which I love. And mm-hmm. the other, of course, was Beverly Jenkins. And mm, while that was I was Beverly. sitting out there, and I love this band, too. I'm sitting out there in the audience, and she's talking and talking, and she's telling us that this particular network, I'm not going to mention the network, um, had looked at one of her um, books to make into a movie, and they decided not to go with it. And she said, well, that's okay, because it wasn't meant for them. It was meant for Iris Bowman to do and I'm sitting in this audience. I'm like, did she just say my name? <laughs> Deborah Bella was the next week. She said, yeah, she did. And I said, I can do that. You know, didn't have no idea how to get it done. But I said, I can do that. And so I ended up um, doing a full feature movie on one of Miss Beth's contemporary called Daily Sexy. And oh. now... We actually, and that is actually on Amazon. Um, you can go out on Amazon and watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Um, so it's out there. And my heart series, TV, all six episodes of that series is also on Amazon. And if you have Prime, you can watch it free. If you don't, you can't watch it free. However, however, season one is out on my YouTube channel. And you can watch that season one for free. And I'm, let me check. Can I just tell y'all why I did why I did that? Yes, sure. ma'am. Y'all still with me? Okay. Let me tell you why I did yep. that. Because season one, we we were that was our first hand at it. That was us trying something new. That was, you know, we we wrote the script. We we did the um, filming of it ourselves, we did the soundtrack to it, you know, we did everything ourselves in season one, mm-hmm. and there were some mm-hmm. challenges, you know, but it turned out okay, you know, it turned out okay, we had people getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and watching it on TV with us, you know, and mm-hmm. everything, but I do know it wasn't the best, so I put that out there 
on YouTube, and I just let everybody watch it for free. And then when people mm. watch that, then, of course, they want to see season two. And then they can go on Amazon. And like I said, if you have Prime, and you, you know, you got that, you can watch it for free there, too. So right. um, that's, that's, that's me. That's what I, that's me. I have books. I got audio books. And I have TV show, and I have a movie that I did. Got another one wow. coming up, too. Yeah. Another I book love or it. TV show. <laughs> Series. <laughs> Okay. Now I got a question for you, uh, Miss Iris. We always talk about a goal moment, and so your goal moment is that moment in time. First is a thought, uh, and most right. of the time we talk ourselves out of our thoughts because we tend to be so we tend to be mindful of how we speak and treat other people, and less mindful about how we speak and treat ourselves. And so that your goal so moment um, is where the thought and the execution comes together. So we want to know, what was your goal moment? When they took me off at work and I tried to quit, they wouldn't let me. They that wouldn't let you? Wow. <laughs> I have been, I, I, honestly, you know, I know you guys think that I'm joking with you, but that actually was my goal moment. I had, really? um, I was I was working working for, I live in Virginia, we're a commonwealth, and I was working for the commonwealth of Virginia at the time. I was in about my 20, 20 some, 22 years in, 23 years in, and um, they did something that happened many times before to me, so it wasn't anything new. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was running this, managing this particular um, department for them, and they hired a, a Caucasian man over top of me. And then they wanted me to train him. Train him. And oh no, so disrespectful. <laughs> yes. But, but listen, when when these things happen all it happened many, many, many times. But for some mm-hmm. reason when it happened this time, that particular time, it was I had reached that was you know, there are certain levels of specificity. I am sure I made that word up. However, you understand what I'm saying? There's certain levels to it, right? And I had reached my level at that point. I had really reached my level. And so I I, I remember writing, um, sending an email to my regional manager and saying, hey, I think you need to go ahead and, and bring, I'm not going to say the person's name, but bring the gentleman in. Um, I'll be mm-hmm. leaving at 11 o'clock, and I don't know when or if I will return. Right? Oh, you better be a say, listen, I don't know if I'm coming back. <laughs> no. I, and I was I was so serious. And at the time, at the time, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I knew what I did. I knew I was good. I knew what I gave to that particular organization. I, I knew my right. worth when it, at that point. I knew my worth. And right. if they didn't recognize it, that's okay. I recognize what my worth was. So I came mm-hmm. home, and my, my whole thing was I'm going to go and I'm apply for another job, you know, and just call it a day. Well, during that time, we had one of the Bushes was our president, and I won't feel him. There was nothing on TV, and I was getting on my son's nerves. So he told me, he said, Mama, go write something. You always talk about you write a book one day. Go sit down and write something. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I sat down and I wrote, before I went back to work, which was two weeks later, actually, um, 
I have written 800 pages of a story. Wow. And I didn't know what to do with it. I had no idea that, you know, anybody would be interested in reading it. But when I went back to work, I went back to work with a plan. And my mm-hmm. plan at that point was I'm going to publish my own book. I'm going I'm going to get out here and get this book, learn how to um publish this book. And so I took courses through the community college. And uh-huh. as I was taking that, those courses, I was doing things to prepare this book um, to submit. Actually, I was going to try to submit it, you know, to a, a publishing company. And what I did is I eventually did submit it to the to a publishing company, but then they wanted to change things. Like, you know, I'm a sister girl. In case y'all don't know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a nice chocolate girl, right? And when we did our hair, we used to, we would bump our hair, right? We didn't high curl our hair. We bumped uh-huh. our hair, right? Right. And so he wanted to change. It was this one scene where I have Tracy in the mirror, and she's trying to do something with her hair because J.D. is coming over. And y'all know when that man is coming over, you got to look right. Right, and got to be fresh. Mm-hmm. So she was, she yeah. was in there. She was, she was in the mirror, and she was bumping her hair. And he wanted me to change that to high curling her hair. Oh, high curling her hair. She was bumping her hair. You know, he said, "Well, people are not going to understand what that means." I said, "My people are going to understand exactly what it means. <laughs> what it means, right?" Right. So I left. I, I just left it there. But that was that. That was just one thing. I said, "Okay, it's going to be all right." Then when he sent me the cover for the book, it was two Caucasians and a shadow figure, like a shadow figure of two Caucasians underneath uh-huh. of a palm tree. My book ain't had nothing to do with nowhere where palm trees would be. My book was written in in urban Richmond, Virginia. Okay, well, and it, it, it certainly was not. I, I mean, I do have Caucasians in the story. They, those were not my main characters, and I said, no, this is not going to work. So after wow. I did that, I said, okay, I know what I got to do. So then I went back to community college, and I learned how to publish. You know, I, the first one taught me how to set it up and do everything, and then the next one taught me how to publish my own book, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's. That was my aha uh, uh, uh-huh moment. That was that was it. That was my goal moment. Was that day mm-hmm. that I left that job and came home and sat down and started writing. But I I have to say this though, um, writing those eight hundred pages, it freed me from the things I thought was holding me back at the job. It freed it freed me right up. And when I went back to work for them, I girl, I went to work singing every day. <laughs> I went to work singing yeah. every day because my purpose, my purpose had came into focus for me. And I knew uh-huh. that I may have, I may have five more years to go with them so that because look, after having put in twenty three years, listen, I'm gonna hit my thirty mark so that I can get my retirement in case the book mm-hmm. stuff don't work out. You know what exactly. <laughs> So, so I my other five years then, you know. But I, I did when I went back, though. You know, I went back with a purpose in mind. And so every day that I went went into that office, I went with a smile on my face 
and I don't care what it is that they were doing in that office. But let me tell you guys, I worked at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no, DMV okay. is a whole it's a whole yes. headache. <laughs> it is a whole it's a whole headache in itself. And you know, I did in one of my books I actually started the book off um with the young lady working at the Department of Motor Vehicles just to give people an idea of just how crazy, you know, it mm-hmm. it could be. Mm-hmm. But um I would but you know, to be honest with you, I have to thank them. Because if they mm-hmm. had not done that, I would have never come home for that two-week period and find, discovered really my passion. I, I mm-hmm. would not have done that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, what caused or who made the decision to hire that guy over top of me, but I have to thank him because mm-hmm. it opened my door for me. It opened my door for me. And sometimes that's all you need is the door to open. And Miss Iris, this is that's Tony. It. You know, with the way your hey, journey Tony. started, hi. With the way your journey started, you know, all the things that you went through, and then you're going back to school to learn how to publish and everything. But do you feel that because you kind of learned the industry from the ground up, that your respect for it is what it is today, and that you see it in a different way than most of our new authors see it today? I think. See, when I came up, we we ebooks was not a thing. When I started writing, True. it was paperback. Mm-hmm. You know, ebooks really was just beginning to start up okay. and things of that nature. So I kind of had to switch over from doing paperback, you know, into the ebook um, genre. And mm-hmm. the thing about it is, new writers that come in now, ebooks is everything. That's that's what that's mm-hmm. what we know. Paperbacks and audiobooks are secondary, you know, to them. Whereas when mm-hmm. I started, paperback was primary, you know. So I did have to learn. So I think that they have a different appreciation for it. I don't think it's any less respect for it, but I do think they have a different appreciation for it than what I would mm-hmm. have. Because mm-hmm. when I came in, like I said, right now, to publish now, oh, my God, I wish – I, I I wish I had this, you know, mm-hmm. when I first mm-hmm. started, you know, because I think my reader base would have been um, larger than, than what it is now and because I would have been able to reach more people. So the new, right. the, the, the new authors who are coming in, bless them, because they have more tools at their disposal than what I had when I first came in, um, especially mm-hmm. in the, as independent especially as independent authors, because as independent authors, we had to put the books in the trunk of the car, go to the beauty yep. house. Hey, how y'all doing? Listen, mm-hmm. have, do you like to read? What is, it, what is it that you like to read? Girl, I got a book for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. had to do that beating, that beating path, you know, and all, all along the way, I, we had to do that hustle, you know, to mm-hmm. make it happen. And I was blessed with word of mouth. I would I would tell you I didn't know anything about marketing. I did have to teach myself how to do that. Um, I had to learn a lot along the way. You know. Mm-hmm. How, however, what was wonderful for me, and this is why I I love my readers, um, my team that I work with, 
you know, they came on board as they discovered my books and they fell in love with my book. And then they, they I thank God they fell in love with me because <laughs> they love me too. And I love them. Um, and I, and, and I thank, I thank goodness for word of mouth because word of mouth is what put me, um, you know, on, on the table, so to say, on, on the table. Mm-hmm. So I think that read, I think that the new authors coming in, they kind of have a, a better opportunity to get their books out there in front of mm-hmm. more people, you know, and they have mm-hmm. different, more platforms than what I had when I first came in. But don't, but, but mm-hmm. don't feel bad for me because I learned ebooks real quick. Listen, I learned how to do them real quick. Believe me, I do my own formatting. I do my own setup. I do my own. Um, I don't do my own covers because I'm not good at that. But I do send my books out. I have two different um, editors. I have one that does my um, line editing, and then I have one that does my um, developmental um, editing. Um, and they are two two people. They they fell in love with my books early on, and they start. They came in and started working with me, you know, on the editing, you know, in different stages of my mm-hmm. stories. Because I'm going to tell you, girl, when I first started doing this story, I remember paying, I swear, I remember paying over $2,400 to have a book edited. And when that book came back to me, I found mm-hmm. two full pages of errors in that wow you know so Mm -hmm. i said okay and but what i came to learn though is that editing um you have it's a relationship between the author and the editor especially Mm -hmm. your main Mm -hmm. editor that's a that's That's a relationship between the author and and the editor and it takes Mm -hmm. time to find that right connection you you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying it takes it takes time and to find that right connection, but now we, you know, we have that connection. Thank goodness. But um, like I was saying, you know, your question was about authors who are coming in now. You know, I I think mm-hmm. that they have a deep appreciation for it. I think it's just different from what it was when I first came in. Mhm. That's awesome. Well, I want to this is Tony, uh, Miss Iris. I just want to say yay for uh-huh. editors because I have my hand up. I'm an editor. I'm Lisa's editor, one of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yay for, yay for editors. You hit it on point, though. That is a relationship. Yeah, it is. It is a relationship because the thing is you want to make sure you have an editor that, number one, is not going to have an issue speaking truth to power like some people do. But anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get on that because. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, and, and you because they have to believe in your your work as much as you believe in your work, and they have just mm-hmm. as much invested in my books as I have invested in my books. Because when Absolutely. something gets out there, you know, and they they read a bad review and they see that it's something that had to do with editing, they are heartbroken. You know, oh, yeah. and. And I'm gonna be the first one to tell you, I cannot edit my own books. I'm not gonna try to do it. I can't. I can't do it because I'm mm-hmm. gonna read what's supposed, what what um is supposed to be there, not necessarily what's there. What's what there? So I put it in the hands. I put it exactly. So I put it in the hands of professionals. I let them. I let them handle that part. And when something mm-hmm. happens, you know, like sometimes, like on um. 
private stock. Uh, I put this wrong file out there. Yeah, I did that. And uh, <laughs> and they were not happy. But you know what I did though? Things happen. Uh-huh. So I went back and every person that purchased that book for me. And it, the great thing about this, I I do do um my own, I sell my own books on my own website. Um, uh-huh. and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I went every person who purchased that book. I sent them a replacement book because that was my mistake. You know, that was my mistake. When someone uses their money to purchase a book of mine, you know, and I make a mistake on it like that, that's my responsibility. I have to eat that, and I have to give my customer what they paid for. You know, so mm-hmm. I went in and I did replace those. I did replace those stories because it, it was it was my mistake. Now, if you go in. And you read a book, and you purchase off of Amazon, and you you've taken your day or two days or whatever it takes you to read that book, the whole book, and then you return it back. See, that's on you. That's a totally different, right? Thing, you know, right? That's on mm-hmm. you. That's that's you being who you are. You know, exactly. uh-huh. that's a whole that's a whole other thing. But if it's something that I, you know, it's something that we messed up on. You know, and the readers bring it to my attention. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna take care of that. That's admirable of you. Mm-hmm. What I you love it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here on Lucky Chat, we love to do absolutely, and I and I like the fact that you 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 take that into consideration. It's just not oh, you know, just let it go. Uh, you make sure, because I always tell people, you got to make sure your library is on point at all times, because every yeah. book you write is not going to hit. But when it does hit, that is true. when people got to go back into that library, you want to make sure that that thing is tight, uh, so that when they pick exactly. up those other things and they're reintroducing themselves um, to your pen in different ways, that it's always on point. Now, here on Let's Chat, we but love to you- do something fun. Go ahead, Misty. Okay, I was going to say it's also your brand. Mhm. Yeah. You know that when I when Iris Bowling's name is on something that represents my brand, and like yes, we're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to get it right all the time, but when we do put it out there and we know we we missed a step, then we got to it's my it's on us to go out there and redo that step and get it right because mm-hmm. it's my brand, it's my name. You know, it's, I don't care where it fell through the cracks at, it's an Iris Bowling book. That's my name on there, so I have to go in and take care of it. Right. So true. Yes, ma'am. I definitely agree. Now, we like to do something fun because we, we have people that listen all over the world, and they may okay. not have been able to experience Iris uh, Bowling's pen and her creativity as we have. Mm-hmm. So we like to do something a little fun just to kind of show all shades uh, of the guests that okay. we have on. So he's going to give you a fun question. I don't know what she's going to ask you. So I'm going to say, go and cut your pearls now <laughs> if you got on pearls because I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Well, Miss Iris, Lisa and I, we sure appreciate you joining us tonight. You know, we know you're busy. 
and for you to squeeze some time into your busy schedule for us, we so appreciate it. But I've been on this riddle kick lately, girl. And I have a riddle for you. I hope you <laughs> I hope you didn't hear my last one. So in case you did, I'm gonna have to switch it up. <laughs> but well, you can help tonight. yourself. I didn't get to hear you, but okay. <laughs> You didn't get to hear it? Okay, I'm, I'm going to switch no, it up anyway. No, I didn't. I didn't get to hear it. You, well, my last I'm sorry. Was, that's okay. My last riddle to uh-huh. my last guest, I'll give it to you as well. There are two men. There's okay. a lawyer and a doctor that is in love with the same woman, and her name is Teresa. Now, the lawyer is about to go on a long vacation, but before he leaves Teresa, he gives her seven apples. Why did he give her seven apples? Okay. The lawyer, okay, you have a lawyer and you have a doctor. Right. The uh-huh. lawyer is going away, which uh-huh. is going to right. give the doctor time to play. Right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So he left her seven apples. Is, is the lawyer gone for seven days? The lawyer is gone for a bit. <laughs> he's gone for how he's, he's gone for how long? She never he's specified how long he was gonna be out. It just she just oh, said he's gonna okay. be gone. Okay. Well then I'm gonna take it that since you didn't put it in there, I'm gonna take it that the lawyer is gonna be away for seven days, so he left for seven apples. Because so the doctor won't come around. You know how you know what's that thing? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, shoot, someone. What is it? An apple a day? Wait a minute, an apple a day. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's something about an apple a day keeps the doctor away. So he he's only gonna be gone for seven. He's only gonna be gone for seven days. That's what I'm gonna say. So for each day, you know, he's gonna tell her to eat one of those apples. So you know, better keep the doctor away. That's you, you it. point. <laughs> it's true. That was the answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait what the the doctor is away. Yeah. Because it was a lawyer and a doctor, right? That's so okay. I'm going to say, I hope that the, if the doctor is away for eight days, I mean, not the doctor, if the lawyer is away for eight days, the lawyer in trouble, because that doctor will come in and wear that thing out for those seven days that he was away. <laughs> Going through mm-hmm. some rough waters, 
right Absolutely. now. Our hearts and mm-hmm. our prayers is out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate you. You know, you're welcome back here anytime, Ms. Iris. Lisa and I love when you join us. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'll be happy to come back. You ladies just let me know when you need me to come through again. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. <laughs> thank you. So we want you, you to shout day. out all of your, we want you, before you go out, we want you to shout out all of your social media. If you have a new book that's getting ready to release, oh, we want you to shout no. out when that's going to be releasing and your next series if that's getting ready to release soon as well. Okay, so you can reach me on Facebook under Iris Bowling. I also have a Facebook palace group that's a private group, so you do have to have permission to join that group. But go out there and check it out. We actually do some fun things out there. I am also on Twitter um, and Instagram at Siri Austin, so please um, check me out there if that's your preferred um, social media outlet. I also have a website, which is um, www.irisbowling.net or .com. I got both of them. So whichever one you want to put in, mm-hmm. you do it. Um, you can go out there and catch me there. Um, my my latest, my book that is about to come out is um, A Piece of Her Heart, which is the seventh book in the Heart series. And that is going to drop I can't tell you yet because still with the editors. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> God, I still, hope it's still with the editors. And I don't set my days until it comes come back from the editor. But I do have um, that series. And then coming right behind that, I do have a brand new series um, mm-hmm. in a different job, brand new genre for me. I am going to be writing thrillers. Um, really? Yes, I will be doing thrillers. So I'm still going to do my romantic suspense book, you know, for people, but I am going to be doing thrillers um, this year. And the first Mm -hmm. two will actually come out sometime this year. So I'm really, really excited about that. And um, anyone that wants to reach out to me, you can always email me, irisbowling.net at um, – what is this thing? Irisb at seriaustin.com. So you can always email me anybody that wants to chat. I'd be happy to chat mm-hmm. with you. Awesome. Thank you, Miss Iris. Thank you, ladies, so much. And continue to do what you're doing and be blessed, both of you. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. Me. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Have a good night. Oh my God, that was so fun, T. It was. I'm going to have to tighten up her personality because I guess I'm getting the real. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Get ready, man. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> we have our next fabulous guest. We love it. He is always welcome. He got his own little seat that says Kevin on the back of it because we always love when he comes in here and we just love to cut up with him. Hey, Kevin, how are you? I'm worried. That's how I am. <laughs> Now listen, you got since we couldn't get all of the writers from monogamous on, you gonna have to do some explaining for the rest of them. That ending, okay. come on, come on, ending. Who, who wrote that? <laughs> Go ahead, I'm gonna tell on them right now. Who wrote that? <laughs> Here's the thing: I had all the writers and all the cast come today, but you know that that wrote it, that wrote it, and stopped all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
That's true. See we how mama do We could have had a whole <laughs> life. We could have had a whole, whole, just a whole moment. I want to know who uh-huh. did it. Who did it? I want you to tell on them right now. Who wrote that ending? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh, you know what? That was the product of the creator, quite honestly. Uh, Craig Ross Jr. Um, mm-hmm. he, he threw that curveball at us at the last minute. Um, but one heck of a cliffhanger for upcoming season three, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Because, like, now it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Kaiser Sose, where he come from? (laughs) You know? And and here's the thing. Okay, we were in the writer's room. The way we do this this series, when we're creating it, we usually get together for, like, three days straight. It's like a 10, 12-hour day, three days straight, where we just bounce a bunch of ideas off of each other. And we can get a lot done in those three days. It's usually, the three, it's usually three writers um, and Craig and his wife, Karen, Karen Wardrock. Um, and anything goes. I mean, it's a safe space so we can say whatever we want. We talk about, you know, life experiences because, quite honestly, the, a lot of these stories are embellishments of, you know, somebody in the writer's room actual experience or, or some kind of um, – similarity to a relationship drama that they have. I mean, you, you usually write what you know. And mm-hmm. some of these things come from, you know, some of our, our personal experiences. And we get in there and we have to talk about some things that we don't tell anybody else in the world. You know, so I'm surprised we don't sign, like, non-disclosure agreements <laughs> personally because we divulge some stuff. And there's there's some arguments and there's some a whole bunch of laughter and there's some tears. It, it, it's intense. It's, a, it's almost like a retreat. And mm-hmm. at the end of those three days, when we go our separate ways, we still have um, meetings um, and Skype sessions and Zoom conferences and all these other things to get these ideas all flushed out and get them separated into the, the different episodes. But that one uh, was a shock to me, too, because I was sure – for those who haven't seen it, I don't want to get out too much, but I was sure that there was an individual that there was no way he could possibly come back. And right! There and there he was. Pretty much. But it's pretty much art imitating life, and pretty much. It is, in a lot of ways. And, it, and a lot of it is our lives. I mean, like I, I, after season one, I remember the first like interview that I gave for that show. I remember telling the interviewer, you know, I have been all of these guys, and I have dated all of these women. And it's true. You know, I was you know, an ex-firefighter, so I had the same hero complex that the Dallas character does. Um, uh-huh. I grew up in Compton. You know, I grew up in Compton, but, you know, had to live down the, the negative stereotypes that society has about black men coming from Compton, like Connor would, and, you know, being a former street dude, you know, trying to make it in the, in the stock market and trying to do right. Um, uh-huh. Carson, Carson was you know very spiritual, um, uh-huh. and and hiding the perception of being weak because he's a nice guy. You know I've been that dude. Um, who else? Sawyer, I'm an ex fighter. You know Sawyer is a boxer. I'm an ex martial artist um, who writes. Sawyer is a boxer who writes. So that's what I mean. I've been all of those guys. Um, the women, 
I dated all the women. I, I dated the around the way girl that had a checkered past, you know, but had a heart of gold and was trying to make something of herself. I dated the the rich girl um, who, <laughs> you know, had some secrets that you know that she had to live beyond. And you know, I, I dated the, the bohemian kind of hippie chick, you know, trying to figure her way figure her way around. And you know, mm-hmm. who's left? Uh, well, MMA fight. I'd never dated a fighter, but I knew a bunch of female fighters, so I knew the mindset. You know, and right. ironically, that character, the Caroline character of the women, is probably the one that I identify with the most, um, which is why she gets a lot of the, the humor. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's and I'm sh- I'm sure the others were were very similar. I'm sure everybody else had relationship stories that they could interject. Into the mm-hmm. to the stories of a of monogamy, and it's, and it's been a very well received um, show because a lot of people see some of their lives in there too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. The way you guys twist and turn, I think the best thing since we've been having you uh, on our show is being able to experience your writing process. And the fact that, you know, the three of you get together and it's like seamless. You guys are very compatible when it comes to writing, where it it just comes together so smoothly when you guys are transitioning from one person's thought to the next person's thought and trying to get those things together. Um, And I think that's exciting. It makes watching it more exciting because then I'm trying to figure out, did Kevin write this? (laughs) Because <laughs> here's the thing, there's, there's some things like if I have like in season two, I was responsible for episodes two and five. But in the writing, I have scenes that were taken from like episodes that I wrote that were used in different episodes, and vice versa. Sometimes there's a line or a scene that's taken from something else, and just for um, semantics and, and for structure, it gets moved. To your episode. So while like while I was technically credited with episode two, there were bits of Tamika Lamison and, and Craig Ross and, and Cleve Lamison in, you know, my episode and vice versa. There are a lot of things that happen in, in everybody else's episodes. And like you said, you can tell that that was a Kevin line, you know, and, and that that happens a lot too. But the key and this is good to know for like especially you guys have a lot of authors on your show, and the ones that want to write um, screenplays, character development is everything. Well, you, if mm-hmm. you know the character and you develop the characters completely, that's what makes them easy for everyone to write for. When we brought a new writer in in season two, that was his adjustment. Was like he wrote he wrote beautifully. He writes a lot of drama, a lot of structure. He's very skilled, but there was. Mm-hmm after the first meeting when he contributed something and he wrote his first episode, everybody gets to read it and everybody gets to make their own notes. And I didn't have any notes about structure or, or, or content. All that was beautiful. But my notes were, this character wouldn't say that because she doesn't do this, you know, or this character has this background, so they wouldn't wear that. You know what I mean? And that was the advantage that, like, the people from season one had over the new writer in season two is that we knew the characters a little better. But now the characters are very well known. We're learning. Now now we're developing new traits. We're giving them uh, more depth and more layers. And we're learning them as we go as well. And, and that's what's exciting for us as writers. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Now, Kevin, this is Tony. You know, you said you hey. wrote episodes two and five in season two. Mm-hmm. Now, can yeah. you explain to our listening audience how important it is? Because since you had two, three episodes in between yours, how do you go about making it as seamlessly as possible? And do you sometimes put in a little zinger in there when it comes to your the viewing of your episodes? Here, here's how it works from, a, from the, the structure standpoint. When we're in that mm-hmm. three-day retreat, and then we have those conference calls before we start really writing our, our episodes completely, we're just kind of flushing mm-hmm. out ideas. Um, I write fast, so I tend to turn my episodes in first. So if mm-hmm. someone has, uh, like if someone is writing, if one writer is writing episode one and the other is writing three, and I'm writing two, then mm-hmm. two will be turned in first. That has ah. advantages and disadvantages. The advantage okay. is subconsciously everyone, including the creators, see my concept first, and it mm-hmm. kind of puts it in their mind, kind of plants the seed, and then maybe I get to keep more of my stuff because everyone else reads mine first, and they start to kind of shape theirs around mine. So that's that's the advantage. That's an advantage. The disadvantage is sometimes the creators will decide, well, we don't want that in this scene. That's going to work. I mean, in this episode, that's going to work better in episode mm-hmm. three. So they'll take a scene out of mine, put it in three, and then I got to fill in some new stuff and make it flow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's it's a mixed bag. But I do tend to write quick because if I get in the flow, I don't I don't cheat the flow. I'll stay up however long it takes, and, and knock out those pages. But um, mm-hmm. that's I, – I, it, it's surprising, particularly in season one, how, you know, I had episodes three and four in season one, and I got three done quick. And it happened to be on the same wavelength as Tamika Mamison and Craig, who wrote episode one and six. So mm-hmm. it just flowed organically, and it kind of spoiled us. Now, because I wrote three and four, four was right after three, I didn't have to wait for anybody's ideas. I just right. piggybacked off my own. And that was the mm-hmm. easiest, easiest thing to do. I knocked four out in no time, and then they built on four. They built on five and six based on four. So mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was actually the first season was easier for me. The second season, mm-hmm. doing two and five, like you said, with three episodes in between, was tougher mm-hmm. because we weren't as organically attached um, mentally as we were in season one Also quite mm-hmm. honestly We had a bigger budget We had more network involvement And they had their own notes And when they bring mm-hmm. their own notes in It doesn't matter what you're thinking you got to change it To suit their needs Or their specific really? needs Yeah So mm-hmm. season two was painful And challenging Right, because mm-hmm. we thought mm-hmm. we did it just like you know, like you did season one, it was like boom, 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 done. There you go. Yeah, what you think? And the other one was like, Yeah, pat each other on the back. Yeah, we got this. Uh huh. And then we got notes. It was like, Wait, whoa, wait, rewrite what? Take this out. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And, and we had to change a lot of stuff, and it caused some tension that we didn't have in season one. Season one was all kumbaya and you know, pineapple, <laughs> pineapple daiquiris. But, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> season two was apple cider tea? vinegar. But is it pressure? <laughs> I missed that. Did you say what about the pressure? 
But was it tension between the writers that you're speaking of? Yeah, it was tension between the writers and um, because there was so much change that it was hard for us to, to meld our ideas together. And then, quite honestly, as writers, we weren't used to having that much input from the network. So right. we, were a little, we were confused by that as well, and it was frustrating because you get mm-hmm. something done, and then, then they say, okay, we'll do it again, change all of this stuff, and have it done in two days. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. You know, if it was that easy, you'd do it. So let's, you know, <laughs> give, us some, give us some time and let us work right. this stuff out. But, you know, time is money. And if you have a okay. set budget, you got to get things done. So that's what ended up happening. We as writers had to kind of, you know, be more aware of the network process. Um, mm-hmm. Because we did have a bigger budget, more network involvement, but we made it work, okay. and it ended up, um, you know, being better in a lot of ways. But they they really needed to to have us, you know, structure Stretch some pen. things that Literally. fit their format. Mm-hmm. But it was tough. Mm-hmm. It was tough. And then we got into you know like our leadership of the creators. That's Craig and Karen, and Karen is like the nurturing one. And Craig is, you know, he's got so many hats. He's director and producer. So directors are, cre- are the creative end. Producers are the, you know, money in the business end, get stuff done in. And we weren't used to dealing with Craig, the producer. We didn't have to in season one. Season two, mm-hmm. we had to deal with Craig, the producer. And none of us were prepared for it. None of us were prepared to have somebody, like, just lay down law and say, this is going to happen, I don't care what you think. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. it was... It, it created some tension, but the end result um, is when you respect each other um, from a talent standpoint, um, you'll find ways to make it work. And the other thing is we all really want to, you know, still be attached to the project. Um, mm-hmm. Because at the, at the time, I was getting an offer from another network to do something else. And if I wanted to be petty and pissy about it, I just, you know what, yeah, just, just pay me what's left and I'm out. But Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I had, you know, helped give birth to this series and, and these characters, and you fall in love with them. You don't want to just give your kids away to somebody else. Right. You have so much invested into it already. Yeah. Yeah, those characters are our kids. So, no, we, we, mm-hmm. um, we found ways to, to, to work through it, and we made it happen, and, and I'm pleased with the result. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Kevin, sometimes this is Tony. We try to remember to say who we are. But sometimes when you're pushed, you're backed into a corner, sometimes your best work actually comes becomes a result of that. Yeah, you know what, though? For me, I, I have found if I push myself in a corner, like if I give myself a harsh deadline, if I say I want this done by a certain time, then, yeah, I mm-hmm. lock in and focus. When someone from the right. outside is telling me something that I don't agree with, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. hard. And you really have to humble yourself because, you know, it's writers, if you're used to being edited, like, you know, I came from journalism. And in journalism, they just cut stuff to cut, you know, to save space. So mm-hmm. you get kind of mm-hmm. a thick skin. And then creatively, my first few forays into creative stuff, no one edited my stuff. It was unique. And they were like, okay, no, this is cool the way it is. And so you get spoiled. Mm-hmm. And then this. Season two for me was like being in, on a newspaper staff again. It was, you know, you write something that was great, and then they just cut it in half and go, no, that's it. We only need this much. And you're like, 
that was, you know, someone, someone asked me, what was your favorite scene from season two? I was like, it didn't make the movie. It didn't make the series. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's on the cutting room floor somewhere. <laughs> He said it, it didn't get in there, so I don't have one just yet. I got I got to get a new one. Uh, uh, tell me what yours is. That's my new favorite. <laughs> so, okay, I have a question, though, because this is Leisha. So it didn't make it into. I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay, there you go. Okay, so my question is, it didn't make it into season two, but whatever your favorite is, is it does it have potential to make it into the next season? Nah. Okay, so now no. you can tell us what it was then, since it's not going to be in there at all. Go ahead on, tell yeah. us what your favorite scene would have been. We listening. Yeah. Well, here, here's why. Here's why I can't tell you. Because contractually, the stuff that you write belongs it's to the production company. I've got the point. <laughs> the contractually, the stuff you write belongs to the production. To the, belongs to the production. So, like in season, there was some stuff in season one that didn't make it into. I mean, that didn't make it in season one, but the concept made it into season two, and I was able to use some of the lines. And quite honestly. Um, another concept was used in the episode that I didn't write, so all that mm. stuff is still property of the of the production. But uh. it yeah, it okay. can't chronologically make it into um, the stuff. The, the the my my favorite scene from season two can't chronologically make it into season three. they they might do a flashback or something. You never know. Okay. You never, never know. know. Now this, this I can tell you though, I had an elevator scene from season one that was my favorite scene, um, and it was it was comedic and and had a little drama to it. But it was going to be the, the the four women all meeting each other in an elevator. Ain't that what happened in the third season, though? Eventually, everybody met together in the elevator. Sorry if y'all ain't wrote, uh, read that yet. I mean, watched that I yet. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it all the stuff away from you. <laughs> sorry, y'all. If y'all ain't watched it yet, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you don't want to go to a Star Wars premiere and go, girls, please. Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker's father. Ain't nobody care about that. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. Man. <laughs> Girl, he died at the end. I don't know, but I don't think he's going to wrap up. He died at the end. <laughs> Listen, the like, right. Y'all ain't seen that. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to go watch it right away. No way. It's, just, just like, a little bit sorry, not just to sorry. get y'all involved. Right, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but I love season three. You guys have so many twists and turns um, for for the viewers that it was like, wait a minute. And then I saw there was a lot of cleanup done where you guys tried to clean up um, some of the storyline because I could tell there's some new stuff that's going to be coming. And so... Yep. I'm a, I'm excited to learn um, 
I think the biggest thing with Soya and his in his boo, I don't know about them. I don't I don't know. I'm trying not to spoil it for the rest of y'all because I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you mean you try not to spoil it? <laughs> you know what? Girl, Black Panther get thrown off the fountain, but he lives. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work to bring him back, girl. He's going to be all right. Don't you worry. Don't even trip. <laughs> I love it. I want to talk about your comedy for a minute because you're a comedian as well. What is that process like for you uh, going from writing uh, for a series to writing jokes? Well, here's the thing. For me, and this has been my hook in the business, I'm a comedy writer and I do stand-up, right? But I have been getting hired to do more drama than anything lately. And, and here's why. Even in dramas, the characters have to have some humor for you to like them. If you like them, then you'll care what happens to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like in our series, um, the censor the, the character, for instance, is a very serious character. She's had a lot of, you know, hardship and a lot of drama in her background. But um, she will still find ways to say things that even when she's feeling her worst, where she can kind of smile through her tears. And that's when you feel her because you, you want to root for someone who's trying to do better. You know what I mean? And that, that's, where, that's where my stock and trade has been in drama. Humor is still is easy for me to do. That, that's, that's who I am. I was a class clown. You know, my family, I got funny family. You know, my uncle, my dad, uh, my cousin, my cousin George. You know, you you couldn't be at our house in a family cookout and not be just holding your stomach laughing from something someone did or said. So that's easy for me. Trying to work humor into drama is, is really hard. But when you can, it makes the characters more... Um, it makes them warmer and more acceptable to the audience. I, I think in our show, one of the characters that everyone seems to love is Sawyer. Um, and part of it is... That's because Blue's so cute. I know, that's part of it, believe me. But, but here's the thing. If, Blue, if Blue's uh, character arc had him doing some of the stuff some of the other characters do, you wouldn't like him as much. It you know, wouldn't and, fit. And, it fits his personality. Yeah, well, you know, actors can make any can 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 do anything. I mean, Wesley Johnson, who is you know plays the the Carson character, for instance, mm-hmm. in person, in person, he is the most devout, most caring, loving, generous, easygoing, balanced, loving husband, father. I mean, he is all of that. And we have him mm-hmm. doing some some hard, hard to like yeah. in in season two. And that's not his personality at all, but he's such a he's such a strong actor and he's such a pro that he could embody that stuff and do it with a cool indifference that actually unnerved me when I saw it. You know? 
and and he is mm-hmm. just this, I mean, he is sweeter than sweet. He is the nicest guy you could ever ever meet. Um, Blue on the other, Blue is a lot like his character in the sense that he's very um, super confident. You know, he's very he's outgoing. Yeah, and he's a very he's he's an ex athlete. But the biggest thing about Blue in person that that, that jumps at the page to you is his confidence, and it's not a mm-hmm. arrogance, but it's a self assuredness. His character is very self assured until there's some matters of the heart, and that's when he becomes vulnerable. But Blue's character has a lot of humor, and when people describe him, and when they recite a lot of his lines. A lot of the stuff that, that the fans say are like some of the jokes. And that's really why they brought me in was the storyline they knew was going to be dark. Because Craig had thought of this, you know, when he was thinking of this thing, he was thinking six seasons in. So he knows where all this stuff is going. We did. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. He, he brought me in to kind of, you know, be that kind of levity, that balance. Because if it's just all dark, you start to lose people. Mm. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Yes. Who is there? Are, are there any characters, male or female, that you most identify with? That are most like you. So you asked us that last time you were on. Um. Let me think. I think it's a little bit of a mixture, though. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. All right. You, let you, me you think. Want, you want to play a song while you think about this? How are you going to do Alicia? They look at the baby like I do all the people. You see how they did me? You want to take a commercial break? Different aspects. Right. Mm-hmm. He he take you out over here. 
this is the one that you vibe with over here. Um, this is the one that has good sex over here. This is the one that do this over here. Now, this one over here, he got you mentally. Y'all be vibing on the mental, uh, mental level. So it's still creating that perfect person and taking that person mm-hmm. and splitting them apart. Now, see, I'm going to get in trouble with this comment, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because I've been married 30 years, so I'm safe. I ain't got to worry about nobody not dating me over this comment. Um, <laughs> but here it is. Th- that what you just said is the one of the biggest issues that I have with men and women and this whole dating thing. I think mm-hmm. men simplify their choices. I think men realize that they're not going to get everything, so they pick a couple of things that they know they need. Is it stability and ass? Or you know, or is it is it honesty and sense of humor? Is it is it positive outlook and can cook uh, with maybe something else? You know what I mean? You pick the things that you know you can count on having, and you hope that she doesn't sway from those those basic things. Where women are looking, they have a laundry list, and unfortunately <laughs> nowadays the first thing on the list is tall. So it's it's usually something, you know, that a guy can't help, that he can't change. You know, I saw a, a, a meme recently where this girl was looking at this guy, and she said, how tall are you? And he said, six, seven. And then he said, but I also have two felonies and three babies by two different mamas and something else. He had, like, no job. And she goes, mm-hmm. so you're six, seven. You know, like, that's, like that's, that's all scary. she heard. And I think a lot of young women are very superficial in their choices, but they make this laundry mm-hmm. list that no man is ever going to meet up with. So they end up getting a guy and trying to mold him into this perfect guy yeah. or trying to instill mm-hmm. these qualities in him that he's never going to have. My father used mm-hmm. to say, and it's, and it's a very wise statement. My father used to say, men marry women hoping they never change. Women marry men hoping to change them. And mm, I, think, I think that's still kind of true. It's just that mm-hmm. I think younger, the younger the generations are, the more superficial they are. And men aren't going mm-hmm. to meet this, these, this laundry list of standards that, these, that a lot of women set for, for I'll say, us. Um, we're, we're, not, we're just not going to do it. So I, I wish more women would like men and that they pick a couple mm-hmm. of things and go, okay, I can live with these, I can work with these, but this, these things I absolutely have to have. And sometimes it can be something like, like, like I hear, like if you're, a very, if you're a very devout Christian woman, then you need a guy that is either open to Christianity or is as devout as you are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you're a highly sexed woman, then you're going to need someone with a matching appetite or, mm-hmm. you know, something, or something like that. If you are into conversation, then you absolutely need a smart man who can express himself. Um, I know a couple that were married for a short time, and I knew the girl very well. And one of the reasons they broke up was she was like, you know, he just never, he just never talked to me. He just never, we could never have a deep conversation. I was like, that brother is as deep as a wading pool. You knew that when you met him. You know, 
how did you expect, you know, you can't dive head first mm-hmm. into a wading pool and get mad because the water ain't deep. It's a wading right. pool. It was a wading pool when you met it. It was a pretty <laughs> wading pool. It was a wading pool in a nice area with a nice house and good money. But the mm-hmm. brother just wasn't, he wasn't that dude. You know, and she wasn't right. no amount of time going to make her that. And so she misinterpreted his, you know, indifference to conversation as being indifference towards her. And it wasn't. He was, he was legitimately in love with her. But he just, he wasn't an expressive dude. He needed someone that was going to be quiet and wanted to just sit alongside him and, you know, hold his arm while they watched monogamy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, you know, well, you know, Kevin. Next time you come on, I'm gonna study the women and I'm gonna say which one closely resembles me. So I'll be prepared. No music involved. So oh, see, <laughs> see, now you see what it's like to, to get a question. I'll be prepared for it, huh? <laughs> now you see what it's like. Yeah. Ain't no fun, is it? Well, mm-hmm. you know, here let's chat. You know, uh, uh, we like to do something fun with our guests. Mm-hmm. And Ain't no so, fun when the gets the gun, though, huh? Ain't no fun when the gets the gun. <laughs> we about to do something a little fun with you today on Let's Chat. So T's gonna give you a very good question, uh, and it's I'm gonna, gonna be a riddle. <laughs> no, nope, not even gonna be that one. See, we learned that we gotta switch it up away. on you. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta switch it up. Can't be the same. <laughs> so go ahead, T. What you got for us? <laughs> well, Kevin, you you know I was waiting for you, right? You know I was waiting oh, for you. She was waiting for you at the door. Look, she was waiting for you at the door. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm here worried. That's why I said yes. How am I doing? I'm worried. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> You're doing fine. I'm looking for God. I'm doing this thing is spiritual. Break out the choir. Break out the choir. All right, T, I'm ready. What you got for him? Give him a good one. Okay. I'm going to give him a good one. He's not going to get this one, Lee. You're not going to get this one, Kevin. Okay, but Kevin, you know, Lisa and I, we so appreciate when you come join us. You know that. And we always look forward to it. But your riddle tonight, my friend, Eric, there are 30 cows on a farm. 28 chickens, how many did? Wait, wait, what? Wait, wait. Yes. And there are 28 chickens. And how many uh-huh. And how and what's and what's the and how many what was the last question? Didn't. How many didn't? Okay, there are 30 cows and there are 28 chickens. How many didn't? Yep. <laughs> um, an apple a day keeps a doctor away? <laughs> Ain't no fun, but I'd rather got the gun now, is it? <laughs> I can't do like I did in high school to say all of the above. That ain't working here either. Let me see. Um, nope. 30, Come on, you got this, girl. You got it. On a farm. 30 cows 30 on cows a farm. And mm-hmm. 28 chickens. Mm-hmm. How many didn't? How many, how many didn't? Well, 
biologically, cows and chickens cannot have relations. So I'm going to say none of them did. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> If there's okay, a rooster on that farm, he did 28 times. If there was a rooster on that farm, he did 28 times. That I can, that I know. Okay, is that your final uh, answer? Cows, 30 cows, if there's 30 cows on a farm and there's 28 chickens, how many did? How many did? I just, I just, mm-hmm. Follow question. We didn't what? Didn't do what? Is that your final answer? You know what? <laughs> I, I ain't even going to write season three. I just, just the heck with it. Y'all just going to leave y'all hanging on season two. He's <laughs> 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 leaving us hanging. He's retribution. <laughs> that's, that's my answer. The writers of season three didn't. How about that? <laughs> I have no, no idea. Fair. That's no fair. Okay, I so no let me give you the answer. Um, it um, was. Okay, say that. Say it again, see, so that he can listen to it okay. clearly. Okay, listen oh, clearly. It, 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 okay, it, 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 it's thirty. There's thirty cows on the farm and twenty-eight chickens. How many chickens? Twenty-eight chickens. How many didn't? Twenty eight A T E chicken. How many didn't? Okay, so let me get this straight now. You said thirty cows and twenty eight chickens. How many mm-hmm. didn't? And that would be ten cows didn't eat chicken. There you go. <laughs> okay. Now let's discuss the wolf mind that has cows eating chickens. To begin with, what kind of surf and turf menu are you trying to make with cows? You got chicken-fed cows now. What, what's that even a steak? What is that called? Chicken steak. <laughs> so you need Jesus. That's what you need. Some of the cows eat chicken. I'm cracking myself up. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of stuff. That ain't in the box. That's kind of stuff make Noah mad. You know that chicken fried steak? Huh? You said her chicken fried steak. That's a great answer. I actually, that's going to sound so much better when I steal it. <laughs> See, Kevin, you're taking it to a whole nother lane. <laughs> I am now. I didn't know cows ate chickens until right now. I can't with you. <laughs> See, this, is a, this is some Chick-fil-A stuff. Oh. This is this is. <laughs> He's bringing, up, he's bringing in the it whole It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> oh, my goodness. Kevin, yeah, oh, we so appreciate you coming right. to kick it with us in the chat room. We always oh, love when you come so through. You are welcome anytime. I go sleep tonight, Cowley, chickens all through my head. <laughs> Next time, you come, next time you come, you got to bring a writer with you. We Because we, we, we need them in the hot seat. They need to be in the hot seat with you. Like, listen, I can't be here by myself no more. Well, you know what? <laughs> Ain't no telling what them girls going to do. 
I, I, what I need is I just I just need somebody to handle the last five minutes. That's all I need. The rest the rest of the time I like y'all. It's the last five minutes. <laughs> That's when y'all just fall right off the flat earth. Y'all just fall right off the flat earth when that happens. Oh, oh, we fall into the abyss. We fallen into the abyss, Kevin. <laughs> oh, you ain't kidding. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, don't be that way. It wasn't that hard. No, this is what happens to black women when Idris Elba gets corona. That's what happens. Y'all just lose your mind. Listen, y'all stars the one that's getting this corona left and right now, you know. So (laughs) I'm going to need y'all to tighten it up when y'all traveling. We got to be concerned for y'all now. I know. (laughs) It actually shut down a couple of trips for me because I was supposed to go. Um, to Europe, and I supposed to go to East Coast, and now I'm sitting here. Oh no! No, we need our shows. Uh, attention, all stars. We need our shows, so we need y'all to stay out right about it. Just right, right. About just, it. just just think about it, and then that's it. But we we need our shows and our movies, and if y'all get sick, we can't have these things. Now we supposed I to know. get the black double O seven, and we can't because he got Corona. We, you know, we need y'all to stay well, home. Skype, Skype is your friend. Well, mm-hmm. well this is this is what's going to happen now. The season three cliffhanger is just going to be a cow with feathers in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's going to end. The cow was just slowly chewing with that? feathers out of his mouth. And you guys will be the only one that knows what's going on. <laughs> we'll have the exclusivity on that. Mm-hmm. And if I know Miss Tony, she, 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 she will give away the ending to somebody. Oh, girl, that's the cow's ate. He, he ate some chickens. We talked about that last year, girl. <laughs> Listen, we appreciate you, Kevin. We love when you come and kick it in the chat room with us. And you know that you are welcome back anytime. Anytime Absolutely. you want me, I'm there. You know how you know how we do. <laughs> Absolutely, we, we appreciate you. you. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Oh, and we will talk to you soon. But right? you know, we're waiting on that book. You know, since you you got Corona time, so how about you start writing on that book <laughs> that you just write last Dude, year? <laughs> I'm writing. <laughs> every time someone wave a check in my face, you know my whore. I'm a I'm a writing a whore. If someone puts a check in my face, I'll put that book down right there. But see, you got Corona time. Corona didn't put a lot of stuff on hold. You got time to write that book. You got That's time now. Check. That's more check. That's what I see. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you, Kev. And you know, love we love. love you here on Let's Chat. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Anytime. Anytime at all. Please just let me know. Thank you so much. You have a great evening. <laughs> All right. Love y'all. Love you, love you too. <laughs> See you later. I Bye. love when he comes on. It's always so fun. <laughs> See, she done tore my whole chicken cow's riddle up, man. <laughs> he a whole fool. Oh, my goodness. I love it when he, he comes in and kick it with it. us. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate 
appreciate y'all coming to kick it with us with Let's Chat on today. We had a fabulous tape, uh, day talking about literary ex- uh, longevity. Uh, we've had some comedy on today. We've talked movies. We've talked screenplays. And we appreciate you guys coming to kick it with us. And we will see you guys on next Thursday. We got a little different type of show next Thursday. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. And so I'm excited. We're going to talk about the sun, the moon, and the stars on next Thursday. Oh. And so we Uh-oh. appreciate y'all coming and kicking with us here in the chat room. And we will see y'all on next week. Have a good weekend. Mm-hmm.